Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Potentially a big day for the Pac-12. Let's talk about it. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, you see him on the Pac-12 networks. He is Yogi Roth with us here on the big show. Yogi, how are you? I'm well, man. How you feeling today? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be feeling great if we get some news back about football returning. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, that's what I'm anticipating. Um, and now it's going to be the details and how does that come out. I, I, I don't know what we'll learn from today in terms of scheduling and when a game may or may not be, but I, we're, we're definitely going to get an answer on does football move forward for us here in 2020 and you know when we would anticipate that happening and going to be probably in my eyes everybody kicking it off Halloween weekend or is it a combination or is it the week after that is is everything that uh that i'd imagine to happen today so can you explain to our listeners what happens if if it's not a unanimous decision i mean how how do you know how this has to work yeah i don't, I don't believe it has to be unanimous um mm-hmm. i think the conference has been really unified though you know much more than every other power five conference uh, at least from the Big Ten standpoint, that has postponed the season or other conferences that have had to postpone the season. Uh, and I, I imagine that the unity will be there in terms of wanting to play. It's just that it's it's so dramatically different everywhere, right? Like if you go to Utah, uh, I don't think the player at staff has missed a workout since June. If you go to USC, like they've just been allowed back into their weight room. You know, so it's just so uh, inequitable across the conference. So you'd imagine coaches um, – they understand the balance that they probably have to have right now. But it's probably uncomfortable for some regarding, well, our team isn't as ready as your team is. So the scheduling play into that, um, I, I'd be curious to see. I hope that it does. But overall, in terms of how it works out, I, I don't think you'll see the conference be dramatically divided. That, that's at least my take going in. Uh, I think everybody is so excited about the testing capabilities that this conference had different than any other conference in the country, you know, and I think it's, I I project and assume that it's giving the presidents and the CEOs uh, and campuses and the the coaches and of course the parents and the players, like a sense of confidence of our our young men are in the best position to be healthy during the the pandemic that, that we're all living through. Yogi, I've got to admit, uh, I was a little bit uh, confused. Um, I guess it was last week or maybe it was two weeks ago. And, and granted, I'm easily confused. But uh, when, when Larry Scott said, well, California and Oregon are standing in the way with their public policies, and then both governors from those states says, we're not standing in the way of anybody. And then we hear this, uh, it's local policies that are restricting uh, workouts. I believe you're there in California. Can you untangle this at all, the bureaucracy, and what is still, if anything, public policy-wise standing in the way of a return? Sure. I, I can do my best, best version of it. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, to my understanding, at least in California, what Governor Newsom said it was, 
So we've never said that you couldn't practice in groups of 12 or less. Problem is, as all of us know in football, like, that doesn't exist. You know, granted, you can go on 11 on air all day long, but that's not how you get better, right? And that's not how football practice necessarily works, at least anywhere that I've been. So to me, like, that has been a, and that's been a big issue here. And then you add in locally, you know, so from the state to the local area, each region or each county has, has different laws and different rules. So it, let's just talk about Los Angeles and in the Bay Area. While the Rams and 49ers are playing, and the Chargers, of course, they got um, basically the green light by local authorities say, yep, you can, because you have all the testing protocols in place to allow your organization to be deemed safe, a safe environment for the professionals that are working there. It's, it's just been different on a college campus and how it's viewed by the local authorities in those respective counties. And, and that has been, uh, that's been an issue, you know, like to me, it's, this has been very political, not in the way that, you know, we usually use that term of, hey, you're fighting for my side or your side and, and what the world is becoming right now. But this is just political in terms of people that work in politics are making decisions on elementary schools, on high schools, as well as on college campuses. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that now the college campuses and college football in particular and contact sports, they've got an answer that that wasn't there a couple weeks ago. And I think that's why you'll see the change in those respective counties. Do you have any best guesses about how many games will be involved and what schedule the, the conference is intending to keep this thing uh, contained to? Well, I'll tell you what I hope for. You know, for me, uh, if you look at a calendar, right, and let's just say we look at Halloween weekend, which I know has been pegged by a lot of people as, you know, a potential opportunity to, to play. I would love to see an eight-game schedule. Right? I don't know if that's going to come out, right? And then you would play your title game on Christmas Day. You know, how amazing would that be? Now, a lot has to change for that even to be a reality. Like, this college football playoff committee – or the powers that be, Bill Hancock being the, the head of that organization right now, they've decided they're going to make their decision on December 20th. I assume and I hope that that's a fluid date. Uh, so I would love to see the Pac-12 push beyond that. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. Um, I think uh, seven games is probably where we're going to net out, which, uh, you know, for the home away standpoint, clearly is not an even number. Um, or six games, and it's going to be three and three, and you play a title game, and you got a chance to have a 7 and no team. And I think at first today, when whatever that answer is that comes out here in a couple hours, when it does come out, unfortunately, probably an initial response is, oh, it's not, not going to be enough games to qualify for the playoff. And I just urge anybody with the platform to just pump the brakes on that because I mean, there's been 21 games already postponed. We don't know how many games people are going to get. And I think it's one of those years where you have to say, you know, let's just evaluate it as it gets going. Um, and I don't think a conference might – uh, I mean, if it's very strong, I don't think a conference should be penalized for being safe and pragmatic during a pandemic to take care of its student-athletes and not put them in harm's way and make sure they get tested every day at every school. And, and I don't think it should be penalized in what is currently an amateur sport uh, of college football for the playoff. And if that's the case, I'll be, uh, I'll be sickened, to be quite honest with you. It, uh, there was kind of a significant push from Ohio State in the Big Ten, for example, because, you know, they think they have a pretty good team and, and want to be involved in a playoff. Is there a, a you know, I, Oregon comes to mind. Is there a, a push out of Eugene that they want to play because they think their team's pretty good? Well, to be honest, there's been a push for everybody to play. 
You know, everybody wants to play. And then you listen to Doug Ackerman at Oregon State, who is the head of the medical advisory board, and you listen. And you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, we, we can't put our athletes in that situation. And, and what I think has been great about Pac-12 coaches, unlike other conferences, is nobody's tried to play doctor. Nobody's tried like Mike Gundy, right, for instance. Like, nobody's tried to be an expert in a field that, uh, quite frankly, most of them have no clue about other than what they're told. You know, no, nobody went to school for seven years to become a doctor that I know of as any of our coaches. Uh, and so I think the Pac-12 coaches have been really respectful in that regard. And while for some footprints, like I'd imagine in Utah, for instance, it's a tough pill to swallow because high school football is happening. Right? Whereas in others, like here in L.A., if you're Chip Kelly or Clay Helton, you're saying, I get it. Like, it's, it's clearly not ideal. None of us like it, but it makes uh, complete sense in that regard. So. I, uh, that, that's where I net out. Like, there isn't a coach or a player in the country at any level of football that doesn't want to play. But So they push until they see the reality in front of them. And anybody with, to me, the conscious and the respect to the craft and more importantly, the respect that they have to the family of the young men that they sat in their living room and said, I'm going to treat you like a son. I'm going to take care of you. That when you, when you heard the, the details at the time, at least out here in the majority of these footprints, right, California, Arizona, what was going on in Washington and in the state of Oregon, and nobody, you know, had this thing under control that can say with a straight face, like, yep, your kids aren't being put in harm's way uh, due to the uncertainties of what the coronavirus has, has given us. And now you can say with great certainty that we're going to test these individuals every day. And within 15 minutes, we're going to know who's positive. And we've got a whole process to deal with that. So I, I just hope that uh, people are measured today when the schedule comes out in that regard. You know, Yogi, that that really was the the difference maker for me. I was I've been really cautious about this whole thing, but when I found out about the testing every day and the rapid results, that that okay, if if you've tested everyone every day, then doesn't that limit the danger? It seems like it does to me. I'm not a doctor, but I pretend to be one on the radio. But uh, that seems like it makes a lot of sense logically. Well, hardly. You know, Chris just got called it a game changer. And it is, you know, and nobody thought this was going to be a reality until late November, just based on uh, Quidel and the company and, you know, learning about, you know, an organization that had the capability to give this to an entire conference. I mean, for me, I don't know if you felt this, but when I watched the the previous press conference when Commissioner Scott announced his partnership with Quidel, when the president or the CEO of that organization said, you know, there's other teams that have this around the country but not other conferences, my heart sank. You know, I don't know those other teams, but if I'm in that conference and one of those teams has that type of an advantage and a great one for the benefit of their student-athletes, I'm saying, come on, man, this isn't scheme. This isn't you hiding, like, the type of coverage you play or the offensive game plan that you have. This is about the health and wellness of your athletes. Uh, I, I was I was bummed about that. So for, for me, when I heard it, it was going to every, every team in this conference said, okay, now we can go in a unified front. And there's a lot that goes into that, as we've talked about, on the local front, uh, on the state front, on the national front, as we've seen from a political standpoint. But at the end of the day, to me, if we sit here and I come back on your show in early December and I say, you know what? We've had less than 2% coronavirus positive cases on college football teams in the Pac-12 conference, even if they've only played four games at a time. That is an insane win, right? And that's one that should be celebrated. And that is what I think – is daily testing you're going to give the Pac-12 the opportunity to do that? Like, I, I don't think you'll see, unless the athletes are, you know, 
you know, things can happen, of course, or you're irresponsible, which we've seen on some campuses. The athletes kind of like create their own individual bubble, like they're asking players in the NFL to do it to a certain degree. And I think that they can do that and then get tested every day. The numbers out of this conference should be dramatically low and dramatically celebrated if we get to that point in December. And I think we're, we're in position to go do that. Just to mix in a, a football question, Yogi, how many contenders do you expect if uh, if they're able to uh, to play a season and whatever that may look at? Are we are we looking at two teams, three teams? You think there's somebody that can come out of nowhere? How many contenders do you think there are this year? I, I think the schedule is a big part of it. To be honest with you, like I, I would have picked USC to win the South and Oregon to win the whole thing if we were you know, in a non-pandemic year, and Peninsula was still there, and Thomas Graham Jr., and Jay Tefele, and Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, but those players, at least as of now, have opted out, and, and, and others on those respective teams. So I, I pair that with some of the players that have opted out and are transferred. You look at Arizona, they lost three linebackers, right? Colin Schooler, Tony Fields, and Colin Wilborn. You know, that, that one of them, I believe, was a multi-year captain in, in Colin Schooler. And so I, I think you have to look at it like that. And then I look at teams like Utah, Oregon State, you know, some of these teams that have been able to work out during this, um, to me it gives them a dramatic advantage coming into the season, especially if it is only six games, right? You don't have a lot of margin for error. So I don't know, man. I'm, until I see the schedule, I think uh, I'm going to kind of hold it up in the air. But I, I will, I'll say this, when I look at Utah, the amount of players I went, I've gone through every team in kind of my own version of training camp. And when I went through their roster, I did it uh, on Monday of this week. I said, man, like, oh, I only lost one guy. Quarterback, let's just assume it's Jake Bentley. Um, at least he's proven himself to be able to handle challenging environments. Best receiving core under Kyle Whittingham. I think they'll be fine at running back. I'm, I'm a fan of Jordan Wilmore. Defensively, a ton to replace, but... Again, they've had all this time, right, at 12 hours in terms of the care rules regarding what you're allowed to do with your team each week. So they've had 12 hours since June to, to work with their guys. So, yeah, they're young and inexperienced, and there'll be times where they don't make the play on the ball like Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman could and Troll Burgess in the past. But I think this is a really scary team, uh, and, and they're kind of doing it in the way that you'd imagine, which is quiet. Nobody really knows about them this year because of all the players they lost compared to last. So. They'd be my favorite in the South today, uh, but, I, but I'm really curious to watch them, um, and, I'm, and I'd probably pick them if I had to go with a team, them, and Oregon. I think the, the culture there is so strong. But, it, man, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun to watch what Cal does. You know, they were a sleeper. Oregon State, they've been able to get good workouts in. Right? They were a team last year. Remember how many games they lost by one score or less. And there's a lot of games there. So I think it could be a wild year in this conference and uh it'll be curious to see how the schedule lays out and, and even the fan side of it you know is for utah home game going to be allowed to have some semblance of fans i think in the big 10 they said nobody can have fans right so what comes out regarding that if, if something does come out today is it local and state authorities around that or is it a conference-wide mandate i don't know i think all those things will impact uh, next time i come on the show and say who i might pick in the pac-12 well, Yogi, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it, and let's hope we have some big news to talk about tonight. I promise you, we're going to have big news. <laughs> One way or another. Yeah, your show tomorrow for the first time probably in a while, like, you, know, you're, you know what you're talking about regarding uh, at least college football. So, yeah, best of luck with that, fellas. Thanks, Yogi. Yeah.
That's our friend Yogi Roth from Pac-12 Networks with us here on 97.5 and uh, in 1280 The Zone. Um, Gordon, a, a football question for you. Who are your favorites in the Pac-12? How many contenders do you think there are? Oh, it beats me. Oregon is – I thought Oregon and SC would be uh, probably the top picks. But uh, who knows? You know, when, when the Yogi's talking about the advantages that uh, some of the athletes here in Utah, at Utah, have had – over maybe some of the other places, it makes you wonder a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, even though the the Utes lost so much talent, I mean, if they've been able to go full bore and they're better prepared, we saw what happens when a team is better prepared than another team when BYU played Navy. Right. I. You know what? I <clears throat> Let me look at it this way, Gordon, because I, I think you're right. I expect Utah to be prepared for for yeah. that reason. And Kyle Whittingham is is really good at preparing his team. I mean, he's he's proved that over and over and over again uh, throughout the years. It's the preparedness on the uh, of the their opponents that I wonder about. Like just for example, Washington State, where they've had not only some hiccups in what they've been allowed to do and not to do, but also they're replacing like half the team because half the team transferred out with the new coach, right? Mm. You know, so is that. I, I don't know if anybody's expecting Washington State to to win the league, but is that how disastrous is that going to be? You yeah. know, Utah. The the thing with Utah, I expect them to be prepared, but there are a lot of young players and a lot of players learning on the fly, so that is going to be challenging for them. Arizona State brings back a lot, but they're still young. You know, how is that going to go for them down there? Um, I, I'm not expecting much out of Arizona. USC is is a complete wild card to me because we expect them to be good every year, and that's not necessarily the case. And does Chip Kelly finally get it going at UCLA? I mean, I, I don't know. There's all these, like, how prepared are the other schools on top of just, you know, the situation involving uh, COVID-19, right? So I, I wonder. I mean, Washington's got a new coach. How's that going to go? I don't know. A lot of mystery there. And, yeah, that's the other part. Uh, so, I don't, I don't know. The, the I asked a question. I They say not to ask a question you don't know the answer to, but I really don't. I, I, I don't know what effect all of this is going to have. But when we talked to Mac about what's going on up at the University of Utah, he said those guys have been up there for a couple of months working their tails off getting ready. And I don't know what the the guys down at SC have been doing. Uh, Mac also said that he talked with someone and said there have been, like, what did he say, Austin, 10 or 13 players that showed up on campus to work out? Uh, it was, a, it was a, a small number. So how that affects a team, I, I ordinarily wouldn't think it would affect it all that much because I figured, okay, you get back together and then you coordinate from here and you have a good solid month to do so, you'll probably be okay. But when I saw the way Navy performed against BYU, I thought, holy cow, that that team was not prepared. And it showed. All right, more Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.